Greetings, DC fans, and welcome to episode 131 of the DC Comics News Podcast, the weekly show where we talk movie news, TV and streaming news, comic book news, and lots of other things, all revolving around the DC Comics universe. With me is my partner in crime. He is Bradman to my Steve-O. Welcome to another episode featuring the dynamic duo of Brad and Steve. Brad, Filicky, my brother, my pal, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, hopefully I won't cough as much as I did last episode, so uh, so that's a good thing. So yeah, happy to be here. Wonderful. And we've got a lot of, lot of, lot of news to cover. And we're starting with some great news. Well, Personally, for me, because Black Canary is one of my favorite characters, and I did really like the Birds of Prey movie, uh, Journey Smollett is reportedly going to be making a Black Canary standalone HBO Max movie. I'm ready to sonic scream my joy to the heavens. What about you, Brad? Yeah, you know, I, oh God, I, I hope that this happens. I know that this is, this is kind of one of those, situations where i'll believe it when i see it because it is so early in the planning stages so i do hope this comes to fruition uh because journey smollett not not only did she make a great black canary but she's a great actress i don't know if you've been able to check out lovecraft country which i loved was, it i'm yeah. so disappointed they're not making it yeah i can't season. believe that so i mean sad about that yeah and her star was definitely on the rise so you know, if this happens, this could be one of those things that, you know, kind of helps keep up her her profile since uh, Lovecraft Country was was canceled. So, yeah, I would I would love to uh, love to see this happen. And it seems like it would be one of those perfect movies uh, for right for uh, HBO Max, you know, like the, the Batgirl movie it could have a whole kind of. Um, series of movies you know set around these gotham characters uh so i yeah i i really want to see this happen so fingers crossed so stay tuned i guess you know we'll be we'll let you know when we know more what about you i'm really happy um i love the actress i love her portrayal of diana like you said she's such a talented lady um lovecraft country was awesome i loved every second of it really sad that they're not bringing it back but hey her co-stars managed to land a role as kang in the marvel universe so let her dc star shine um i'm looking forward to it i love black canary too you, you know how i love uh, all of dc's street level heroes and black canary green arrow batman they are amongst my all-time favorite characters the lady played her perfectly in the black uh, birds of prey movie so oh, i'm really happy about this really really happy so like you said um let her star continue to shine speaking of stars uh, one of the biggest of all time michael keaton the best first cinematic batman is back as fans may well know returning to the role of batman and bruce wayne in the flash movie and he's finally come out and discussed it and i love some of the things he said what about you brad yeah what what i loved about what he said is uh he says he really gets the character now even more than he did when he played him way back in 1989 and considering the fact that his portrayal of bruce wayne 
Batman was so iconic. I mean, it changed it changed the game forever. It it really changed movies. Uh, and, and I've said this on the podcast before because that that was the first superhero movie that really broke into the mainstream. Even I think more so than the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Every summer after Batman, there was at least one superhero movie that hit the big screen. And we we have this kind of uh, not necessarily renaissance, but, you know, the whole golden age of of these uh, of these fandom movies. We can trace it right back to Batman and the fact that he even gets the character more now. I just I I can't wait to see what he brings. I think he's super prepared and he's going to have a, you know, a lot of fun playing the role. And I hope that that it's not just a glorified cameo. I hope uh, the character does have a lot to do uh, to do in it. And and I'm sure you have a lot to say since you are the biggest Batman fan on the planet. So uh, what was your take on this? overjoyed i mean he's taking it seriously he's really into it he's feeling it and that's all any fan wants to hear whether it's a minor role or a major role he's putting his heart and soul into it like you said he gets the character more now he understands the character more now not just from i think an actor's perspective but the way he's speaking seems to me like he gets why fans love him so much and like you said the 1989 Batman movie and Batman Returns changed the game for superhero movies. They were no longer... Um, the Christopher Reeve movies are classics. They're excellent, but they still, I think, especially the last two... Uh, I mean, I hate Superman 4 with a passion. I can't even sit through that <laughs> film. I, I cannot stand it. But even 3 was getting jokey and silly. 1 and 2 stand head and shoulders they're they're just awesome but they were still comic booky they were still a little bit cheesy the whole ned Beatty character of otis the way gene hackman portrayed luther it was still a bit too camp batman 89 batman returns there were places where they were almost horror they were serious they were deep batman was a figure of terror he was scary and that was the real batman as envisaged by Bob Kane and Bill Finger in the 40s as he returned to in 1969-1970 under the watch of Denny O'Neill, my all-time comics hero. So the fact that Michael Keaton gets that now, oh man, I I just don't see any way with the talent involved in a Flash movie that it could be anything other than a success. And as fans, that's what we want, right? That's yeah. exactly what we want. And, uh, well, let's stay on The Flash because some of these uh, actor trailers with the names of the characters they're playing have revealed we're going to get some vintage Flash comic book characters in the film too. Not just your Irises and uh, uh, Flash's dad, but so many others. His boss, his other flame. Um, Brad, what do you make of this? Well, you know, I think you, you probably agree on this. The one that stuck out is the fact that we might be getting Albert Desmond, who does oh, uh, yeah. go on become Dr. Alchemy. So not that I expect to get a Dr. Alchemy in this movie, but we may get hints of Dr. Alchemy in a sequel. So that's that seems kind of cool. Uh, at the very least, it's going to be a nice little Easter egg. Uh, what about you? What do you think of this? 
it's laying the foundations. Absolutely. Yeah. We may get a post-credit scene or a right. slight inkling into his origin, like we so sadly got with Hector Hammond in the much maligned but film I actually think is quite fun uh, Deadpool movie with Ryan. Red Deadpool with Green Lantern movie yeah. with Ryan. Yeah. He'll always be Deadpool now, only. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's laying the ground. But but Patty Spivert, Sing, so many other vintage comic book characters and it looks like they're looking into all eras because paddy spivert was um firmly new 52 and i was actually sad to see that character go and on the flash tv show as well because she was brilliantly portrayed in that so yeah, yeah it's just yeah. and it's good to see that i know you said it i'm a huge batman fan and batman seems to be taking over a couple of roles in the flash movie but the fact that these characters were involved means this is still firmly mainly a flash movie and that also makes me happy yeah so yeah, yeah. good stuff and, I, and on a side note thank you for defending green lantern i feel I like, like i was the it. only one who uh nah. who kind of defended that i'm not saying it's a great movie but i i, I did enjoy it it was fun Oa and the Green Lantern Corps were fantastic yeah, yeah. uh kilowog um sinestro was stripped straight out of the pages of the comic and put on screen right. i just think that yeah. uh, it, it, dc are damned if they do and damned if they don't they're either too dark too gritty too horror too nasty why can't they be more fun like marvel along comes green lantern which is as close to a marvel film as you can get in the dc universe and people say oh no that's too light too funny too silly you can't win you cannot yeah. win, and I, I I like the Green Lantern movie. In fact, I, I like all the DC movies apart from two, and you know which one one of them is because I've already mentioned it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, even though I hate it, still had Halle Berry in it, and I could look at her all day. Uh, uh, but yeah. let's let's move on and talk about <laughs> stuff. <we do laughs> like. And something I do like very much is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I loved it. And even though uh, <laughs> the honest trailers are very irreverent, I felt a little bit of love for the film in this one, too. What did you make of the honest trailer for The Suicide Squad? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so many great lines. Uh, an adorable bay of pigs, which really does sum up the, the yes. first half of that movie. That just made me laugh. And, and uh, James, James Gunn hates dads. And, you know, what's funny about it is uh, that little montage kind of that they showed with that, you know, around that line made me realize that, yeah, he, he does have a lot of uh, daddy issues that he deals with in his movies. But, yeah, I mean, I if we dissected this honest trailer, we could we could be here for days because there were just so many uh, funny lines. So go, look this up and watch it because you will get a kick out of it. But. There are spoilers, so watch Suicide Squad first if you haven't, but I'm sure you have. Uh, what was your take? Uh, not just daddy issues. The whole thing with Polka Dot Man and his mum, yeah, um, yeah. that's kind of deep as well, <laughs> particularly <laughs> at the end of the film. Um, now we're talking some gigantic mommy issues there. No shadow of a doubt, but uh, this film is so much fun. Like Brad said, listeners... Go see it. Don't listen to other people's opinions, other people's ideas and uh, wanting to take it down or love it because that's what they do. See it for yourself. Make up your own mind. And 
witness the greatest sequel that isn't one that you'll ever possibly see so mm. yeah go watch the film make up your mind and then do watch the honest trailer because you will laugh your butt off that i can guarantee for you now speaking of that other suicide squad film which again i did not hate um Certain things have appeared online, which appear to be um, snippets that have been leaked from his original uh, version of the film, which fans are clamoring for more and more. And reading these pages, looking at some more set photos, I do feel that this director was robbed. So, Brad, what did you think of David Ayer and the leaked Suicide Squad script? Man, I, I... I'm rooting for him that the, the, the air cut does get to be shown. I, you know, if it exists and as we've seen with the Snyder cut, HBO max is a great, uh, platform for releasing these specialized directors cuts. Fans eat it up. Fans would love it. To me, it seems silly that they wouldn't do it. And it seems like it's something that he really wants to release and he wants people to see and quite frankly i would like to see it because like you said i think he was robbed so uh you know i i i think that warner brothers is doing a disservice to to fans they're doing a disservice to david air um they're doing a disservice to even the actors who were in the movie so yeah, come on, come on, release the air cut. I think that's um, that's the that's the, it's got to be the next big push. Uh, what what uh, what was your take? Well, you know that one of my mottos is let the artists create their art. Um, Zack Snyder proved that his version of the Justice League is immeasurably superior to what we got. But let's not forget this. This isn't without precedent. Richard Donner's cut of Superman 2. Um, Ridley Scott finally finishing Blade Runner the way he wanted to finish it. And uh, to lesser success, what George Lucas did with the original Star Wars trilogy. But hey, for every Snyder cut, there's a butchering of three films which were fine as they were. But let's not forget that a lot of the criticism thrown at David Ayer's Suicide Squad was it varied too far from the comic books. Now, a Harley Quinn deadshot romance is something we got in the comic books. So the fact that he had it in his film does tend to say, well, hey, listen, what we've always said, this is studio interference. The guy wanted to make a legit comic book movie with the characters and honored the stories that were the source material. So for that reason alone, I agree with you, Brad. Um, Warner would be shooting themselves in the foot if they didn't let this happen. And for as what we can see, most of it was shot, filmed and finished, and then cut and replaced with the um, silliness with Enchantress Brother and everything else and made into a more cosmic film. But the fact that it's hiding greater with Zack Snyder, there was more fourth world stuff with Darkseid and everything else. Yeah, I would love to see it. But hey, never say never. We never thought we'd get the Zack Snyder cut, did we? So here we go. Yeah, never say never. I uh, Exactly. We, If you would have told us two years ago mm-hmm. that we'd be getting the Snyder cut, 
and people would love it like they have, I would have laughed at your face. So, yep. yeah, Absolutely. you never know. Never Absolutely. know. But one thing we know we're definitely getting is an anime-inspired Catwoman movie. Um, I am really excited about this. This sounds great. What are your thoughts on what we've heard about Catwoman Hunted? Uh, this voice cast is pretty uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Lauren Cohan, oh, yeah. uh, which is great. Uh, Kelly Hu. Uh, and I like that Kirby Howell Baptiste is uh, keeping it in the DC family. She's going to be playing Death. And now she will be voicing uh, Cheetah in this. So that's very, very interesting. And I I really dig that we're going to be getting uh, characters like Tobias Whale. Uh, you know, that's um, right. voiced by Keith David. I mean, the characters here are very, very interesting. So I am uh, I'm very curious about this. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, pretty interesting. What, uh, what about you? Well, the, everything you said, I mean, the cast is stellar. The DC characters they're bringing into the film are really intriguing. I'd, I'd love to know where they're going with this because they're not characters you'd immediately associate with Catwoman. I mean, Cheetah and Tobias, well, particularly. But let's not forget as well that it's not just the uh, story and the actors. The style, the fact they're going to be Japanese anime style and the glimpses we've got so far look really really cool this could be another radical departure a brand new vision of the dc universe i mean we've had something similar with batman ninja i guess but this is like something completely different and hey you know you and i are both fans of anything that tries to twist things spin things give us a new vision and a new way of telling stories so yeah this looks really really cool so um hmm. yep i'm interested Let's see what happens. Indeed. Absolutely. And, um, well, we've had things change, things drop, things uh, get cancelled. One of the hugest disappointments was the fact we're not going to be getting Ava DuVernay and Tom King's uh, new Gods movie. But also they stopped the horror spin-off of The Trench. But James Wan, bless him has revealed and admitted that obviously horror is his forte. That's what he does best. But Planet of the Vampires, of all the films in the Mm. world, is a big influence on his Aquaman too. So we are still going to get an Aquaman horror movie of sorts. And, well, what did you make of this one? I, I'm, yeah, man, it looks like he's kind of going back to his horror roots on some of this. Uh, Because he also mentioned in this article that things like Alien are going to be uh, an influence on it as well. Uh, and, you know, I kind of wish that I um, had seen Planet of the Vampires before. Um, I, I, I've actually just discovered uh, a slightly older podcast, but a few years uh, a few years ago, Eli Roth had a uh, documentary on the history of horror film, and they released a companion <clears throat> uh, podcast where he interviews different directors. And Planet of the Vampires is one that has come up in these interviews more than once. And it is on uh, my list of films to watch. So given that this is going to be an influence on Aquaman 2, I think this movie is going to jump up on my list uh, to check out. So, yeah, I'm very curious. And one thing that I'm curious about is that it's mentioned in the article that it has a very um, 
distinctive look and a lot of the effects were done in camera so that makes me wonder you know if they're going to go uh, practical with a lot of some of these effects which would be kind of going in an opposite direction of what the first aquaman was so yeah i don't know i'm i'm, I'm very curious uh, what about you go see planet of the vampires uh, i, I, I <laughs> yeah it's one of those films that it's ridiculous, but in the best way possible. It's such a product of its time. And if that's one of James, actually thinking about it, looking at James Wan's aesthetic and the films he's made, of course, it's one of the films that influenced him. And well, the Aliens movies have influenced virtually everybody. I mean, Ridley Scott's original and James Cameron's sequel in particular are still two of my all-time favourite films. So if they're an influence on Aquaman 2 as well, we're going to get to see more of the darkness of the bottom of the oceans, then, hey, that'll shut up the people who say that the new Aquaman isn't Aquaman. He's just, I don't know, uh, bro side and king of the brotion. So (laughs) (laughs) let's let's wait and see, because I am excited because I love the first Aquaman movie. It was great fun. And uh, James Wan is, is a visionary director. He's great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Going and taking a swim with Arthur Curry and friends. So that about covers the movie news in episode 131 of DC Comics News Podcast. So let's now turn our attention to the small screen and talk about TV and streaming. First up, um, one of the stars of the forthcoming HBO Max Green Lantern show, which I'm really excited for, says that this will not be your average superhero story. Brad, your thoughts, my friend. You know, this, to to me, this is is kind of a non-story. Because, at least from our perspective as people who follow this news very closely, because we talk about it so much on this podcast, we talked about this Green Lantern series and all the different ways that they can present it as an anthology with all these different Green Lantern characters that they can bring in, all these different Green Lanterns themselves that they can bring in. We kind of we kind of knew from the get go that this was going to be a different type of show. But I am just like you. I am super excited for it. And, you know, you mentioned Kilowog. I hope we get to see Kilowog in this series and please, some of those please, other lanterns. Please. please, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to the Green Lantern series and looking forward to news as it comes out because uh, I, I, I'm just really curious how this whole thing is going to be done and presented. Uh, what about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the characters you could get. I mean, Kilowog for definite, Tomar Ray, uh, Arisia. I mean, the whole Green Lantern core is, is literally, it's limitless stories. You could go in any direction. I mean, could you imagine, oof, I mean, Chip, um, Nort, <laughs> can you imagine if they brought Nort into this? Um, oh, wow. I, I'm really excited because a lot of things could have happened with that movie that we and I, you and I have both admitted we liked a lot more than most people did. But it's always better, I think, when you've got a universe that huge, possibly TV is a better forum 
than a yeah. two-hour movie every three or four years. You can really explore. I mean, and look at something like Game of Thrones. They could never have done that as films. That had to be told episodically over a period of years to get the full scope of it. So, yeah, um, really and not cool. only Yeah, and not only that, but right now, the audience for these types of shows is very oh yeah sophisticated and accepted and you know a lot of those things that we as comic book readers took for granted Mm -hmm. are now understood and accepted by a general mass audience so yeah i think that's a great opportunity to bring some of that kind of stuff into it so yeah this could be this could be really good yeah they could go deep they could take a deep yeah. dive and the fact we've already got characters like guy gardner in it i mean for a start that's already a plus it's not just yeah. going to be a hal jordan centric or possibly even john stewart centric guy gardner means i mean will we get carina will we get simon baz will we get just a cruise will we get all the lanterns and when it's a tv show that just makes it a lot more possible they do not have to cram everything into two hours of screen time yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. good stuff looking forward to that now with new beginnings and new series like green lantern we always have to again talk about when shows come to a close and the synopsis for the finale of season six of dc's legends of tomorrow has leaked online and hey that sounds interesting what do you make of it brad uh yeah it does sound interesting um but i i come back to uh, we're going to be losing Matt Ryan. Well, we're not just Constantine. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. That's, that was going to be like Matt Ryan as Constantine. And and kudos to him because it says in there that it's time for Constantine to go off and you know be the lone wolf and do his own thing. And that is so much what that character has always been. Oh yeah. But the fact that Matt Ryan could bring that character to life in a way that brings him into a team situation and it's still kind of the state of the art of portraying that character. Like he embodies that character so much. You could almost not picture any other actor playing the role. So, uh, and, and yeah, like, and just to do that in a, in a context where it's kind of unfamiliar to the character is pretty impressive. So kudos for him for doing it for, uh, for so long. And, you know, and, and, just in general, this show is so quirky and so fun. Um, if you're not watching it, you should. That's all I got to say. So I don't want to give, you know, get caught up and then we can, you know, watch this finale. Oh, what about you? Everything you just said. Matt Ryan is a great actor. He's made Constantine his own. It will be very difficult ever seeing anyone else in that role but hey i think part of the reason they're retiring him from this show is well we already know we're getting a justice league dark show soon we're getting a zatanna show soon so maybe they're bringing us a new constantine and they've already cast him and to avoid confusion or whatever other reason they're writing this version of constantine out and he's taking his walk into the sunset but like you said he's always been the man in the shadows the man who stands on his 
Stone. He was never really a team player. I mean, even his adventures with the Justice League Dark, he was more of a manipulator or a man pulling the strings or someone who gave them a place to crash when things got too heavy. He never really felt like he was happy being part of a team. So if we're going to get to see the more dark side of the DC universe with him or him by himself, I can dig that. But I'm just overjoyed we're not losing Matt Ryan because he's a seriously great actor who loves this show and doesn't want to leave. And we're going to see a completely different character played by him. So honestly, even though I will miss Constantine, you know, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Mm -hmm. But um, they're writing him out with star, with love. And we're keeping Matt Ryan. So I'm going to stay glasses half full, I think. Best way to be. Mm-hmm. and yeah like i said we're fans we're a vertigo freak so obviously john yeah. constantine yes, one of our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so let's close our tv news with another piece of good news savannah welsh who's already impressed me as commissioner Barbara Gordon in the first three episodes of Titans has teased that we might be seeing some Batgirl flashbacks throughout the rest of season three. Now I have a grin that would make Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, Jared Leto and Joaquin Phoenix envious. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I I love this idea. I I have been watching season three and it is definitely met my expectations. And, uh, Oh, man, I, I just love the idea of these flashbacks because we've seen flashbacks on this show before, and it makes perfect sense that they would want to show Barbara Gordon in action as Batgirl. Uh, you know, especially when you think of the Titans, uh, you know, you don't really necessarily think of Batgirl as a Titan, of course, but you kind of think of it in that same realm where it's the junior heroes kind of coming to uh, – take the mantle of of their mentors so uh, yeah it, it makes perfect sense and uh especially everything that's happening in the series with scarecrow i think that's another perfect way to get in some flashbacks so yeah yeah count me in what about you well i adore barbara gordon I absolutely love her. She's one, again, like Stargirl, one of the superhero characters who is a hero because it's in their genes. It's in their blood. It's in their DNA. Not because they've had a tragic origin or a lost family member to spur them into the life of a vigilante. She's a hero because she was born to be and because she was inspired by the other heroes. And of course, who do you most closely associate with Nightwing, with Dick Grayson, apart from Batman, other than Barbara Gordon. Batgirl and Robin from the 60s to present day are two characters that are inextricably linked together both heroically and romantically so this to me is oh I couldn't be more happy you know how I feel about the whole Gotham City universe about Batman and and the Bat family yes I don't know why Barbara was never a Titan because it just made perfect sense for her to be but hey they're doing it differently. This is a different part of the multiverse on this earth. Perhaps she was a Titan, but she was always part of Dick Grayson's life and seeing her as part of Dick Grayson's future. It just makes an old jaded bat fan like me. Very, very happy. So that's our moving picture news. 
Let's have a quick break and get some very important messages from our sponsors. And we'll come back and talk about comic books and some very cool DC-related universe, uh, DC-related merchandise. So don't go away. Brad and I will return. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, Nards. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or dummies.
part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Accepted season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And we're back. We always tell you to read more comics, and here are some reasons why you should. Let's talk about comics. And first of all, DC and Webtoon are teaming up for brand new stories. Now, Brad, you're going to have to educate me here. I'm not familiar with Webtoons. Obviously, I know DC. So please en- enlighten your fellow friend from over the pond. Well, I, to be honest, I'm not super familiar with it either. But that's because it seems like it's uh, a YouTube channel uh, that a lot of kids like. Now, we have said over and over and over and over and over again on this podcast that it is a golden age to be a DC fan. One of those reasons is that DC is taking it very seriously that you still need people to start reading these books. You still need to introduce these characters to kids when they're young. So this makes perfect sense to to put this on, you know, it, it said in your article they got to go where the where the where the fans are, where the people are, and a lot of younger people love to go to uh, YouTube, and it just makes perfect sense that they'll use this avenue as a way to help uh, introduce these younger readers to the characters. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think it's uh, uh, definitely a positive thing. Uh, you know, the more the merrier. And again, it's it's an, also another way for parents to get their kids reading you know something that they loved when they were growing up that they want to share with their kids that's a perfect way to help introduce it so yeah i think uh, i'm all for this uh, what about you 
Well, now you've said that, obviously, that's probably why I'm not familiar with it. So it's a YouTube channel for younger viewers. Well, Brad, that, like you said, it's great. We've already had the fantastic news in the recent weeks about the My First Comic Flipbook venture with Walmart. This seems like the other way to go. I mean, brilliant. We're going to get physical comic books aimed at younger readers and now online digital stuff. Genius. Brilliant. Get them while they're young. Entertain them. Make them laugh. And mix it in with DC characters too. I'm happy. Yes. Yep. 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 I'm all for it. Fantastic. DC. I salute you. I mean, we do a podcast called the DC Comics News Podcast. We're not biased. Believe me. Both Brad and I read tons of other stuff that isn't DC. Watch mm-hmm. tons of other stuff that isn't DC. But when you get news like this, that seems to show that this is a company that wants more readers is invested in more viewers and of all ages we've got black label for the adults we've got the main dc universe for every age and now the young adult graphic novels the webtoons and the flip books brilliant and Um, they all have something so positive to share and something to say to those respective audiences uh so i mean it's yeah you, you just can't be can't be beat absolutely um great great stuff now we both love comic books and comics related media and i think we're both fans of good music and of course we talked months ago about the new re-releases of dark knight's death metal one of the craziest pieces of comic books ever created with its own metal soundtrack and now the masters of metal have all appeared in their own covers, in re-releases of the individual issues, and Dream Theater will be on the latest cover of the re-releases. Metal fans, rejoice. Brad, would you be banging your head along to these new reissues of the comic series? You know, it's a great idea, because one thing that I've kind of learned by following some of our uh, colleagues uh, in uh, DC Comics News is that there is a overlap of progressive music and comic book nerdum. So I think that oh, yes. it, so your your Matthew B. Lloyds I think would be would appreciate this. Uh because Dream Theater, not death metal, but they are progressive metal and it's very technical, sophisticated musicianship. And I think that you know there is some of that sharing of of fandoms there. So I, I this makes perfect sense. And I know there's a lot of music fans who are also comic book fans that are going to want to be a completist about this and get all those metal covers. And such a cool way to uh, combine the music aspect into the comic aspect, because that's the, that's as a music fan myself, that is the the one drawback that comics have is that you can't put music into them like you can in a film or TV. And this is a, a nice way to bridge that gap. Uh, what was your take? Yeah, I mean, comic books, I've always described them as movies with an unlimited budget. But like you quite rightly said, even though we can see them, we can hear the characters' voices in our heads, we can feel the action and the special effects are beyond anything any CGI could muster. But we don't have the soundtrack and when 
Dark Knight's Metal, the original series, released the soundtrack album, and um, Scott Snyder did that hours-long Spotify playlist. I was overjoyed. But when Dark Knight's Metal started releasing monthly episodes, motion comics with soundtracks and voice actors online, and then they announced the double album on vinyl for the soundtrack, I thought, this is just the best Thing ever if you love music and you love comics and you want to combine the two and the fact that the whole series was called metal and death metal i mean it's a bit ironic that there's no real death metal on any of the soundtracks per se but it's all great music and it fits so having these bands appear with the characters on the covers of reissues of one of the most fun insane comics of recent years it's just a perfect fit hand in glove rock and roll and comic books the rebellious child children of the art world rock and roll and comics and long may they continue to grow and flourish together now let's move on from comics and music to something else that's firmly tied in with nerd culture and that is games and um, let's talk about Justice League Infinite and um, the return of a long lost character into the series as the universe grows. Brad, your take. Man, uh, I, I, I've really been enjoying this because it is it, it even mentions that it's setting up possible big crossover events uh, in 2022. And it looks like this. This um, Justice League Incarnate is going to be kind of, like they say, it's the second act of the Infinite Frontier saga. And I I just, one thing about the series is that I'm not sure, I'm not seeing a lot of um, chatter about it online. Maybe I'm not looking in the right spot, so I'm not sure how people are reacting or, you know, how how well it's selling. But I I hope it's, you know, it's selling well because I've, I've really liked what's been happening. I like the characters that they're bringing, you know, Thomas Wayne and, and President Superman and uh, your Captain Carrot, you know. Um, so, yeah. And as far as what's coming next, well, you know, we, we know that we're going to get a lot of the one true dark side. So, um, yeah. And, and, and he, he, Williamson also says that he's been Rereading Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, and Final Crisis, and I mean, what, what a place to go for, uh, for inspiration. And uh, as far as the character, I'm not sure what's going to be, but I'm definitely looking forward to finding out. Um, you know, I, I like these big crossover events sometimes because they they really up the stakes, and I like the the effect that they can have on the broader DC universe. So I'm really can't wait to see what happens with this. What about you? Very excited. Very, very excited indeed. Especially when he says he's been rereading Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis. Now, the crisis energy and the crisis um, power that was mentioned in the Dark Knight's Death Metal series that was powering um, Perpetua, Stuff like that was just 
it's fascinating to be in the secret origin of the um, Prime Superboy, which we finally saw in that was still one of my favorite comics of last year. It was absolutely awesome. The fact they're going to revisit that again in a big way it just makes me happy because that's my era. I was a teenager when Crisis on Infinite Earths came out and it changed comics forever. It definitely changed the DC universe forever. And the implications are still being felt decades later it's just great i mean it influenced video games everything else like i mentioned at the top of this story i mean injustice stuff like that and those parallel universes and multiple takes on the different characters would not have happened without crisis on infinite earths and i'm pretty sure the infinite frontier is doing well because they've announced this sequel and when writers at dark knight news say um infinite frontiers finishing soon please please let me review the new justice league incarnate series please 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 i like say well it's hitting our writers people are really invested it must be doing something similar to the rest of the fandom as well so great and did you not get a shiver with the one true dark side thing yeah that is what is that about? Yeah. That yep. made me stand up and take notice. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm invested. Yep. <laughs> I want to read it. Me too. Now, and a bit of a sad news for DC Comics fans. We, you and I know that some of our colleagues at DC Comics News aren't big Brian Michael Bendis fans. And that's the hugest understatement in the history of the world. But love or hate his mainstream DC stuff, a lot of people will agree that his creator-owned titles, especially Jinx World, were actually really, really cool. Well, the exclusive contract with DC has ended, and all of the Jinx World books will be moving to Dark Horse. What did you make of this story? You know, um, I'm, I'm okay with this, because we'll still be getting... I come to this as a comic book fan, not just a DC fan. So we'll still be getting his his Jinx World stuff. It's not ending, which is good, because I think that his the the Jinx World stuff has been better than this than the DC stuff. So to me, I'm happy that it's still going to be around because man, his his DC stuff was so polarizing. So maybe maybe it's good for him to take a little bit of a step back from DC in a way for a little while. So, uh, you know, I, I guess you're just going to have to you know make the best of that situation. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm just glad that those books will still exist. Uh, what about you? Exactly that. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Dark Horse is actually a, a better home for his Jinx World titles. I mean, love or hate his DC work. He's a good writer. He's a talented writer. He's particularly good with teams and teenage characters, I've found. But let's not forget his history, his background and where he's proven himself as a stellar writer. And that's with crime. Um, I'm just just stunned that Bendis was given stuff like Superman and the Legion of Superheroes when he's much a, a much better fit for something like Batman. Mm. Um, I mean, case in point, Batman Universe was still one of the best miniseries I've read in years. And it was a love letter to the DC Universe 
and, and all the things that Bendis loved about the DC universe and a love letter to Batman. Um, it's a shame that um, looks like he'll be moving away from DC, but like you said, as long as we're still getting these books, I can live with it. But I would like to see him take on, if not an ongoing, at least another Batman miniseries, because I think he suits the character to a T. So let's see what happens. But best of success to him. Um, his fans will follow him. They followed him to DC. It brought in new readers to DC. So whether you liked his work or hated it, it brought new readers to the fold. So for that, I say thank you, Mr. Bendis, and much continued success. Right, so we've done movies, we've done TV, we've done comics. Let's talk about something else we love. And uh, in the immortal words of Jack Nicholson's Joker, where does he get those wonderful toys? Let's talk DC merchandise. And first of all, ah, the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn will be joining the marvellous McFarlane Toys range. Brad, what do you make of this golden girl? It seems like uh, every one, one, one thing about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, every movie that she is, is in is let me get flicky fashions on you for a, for a minute is Yay! iconically fashion forward. They always and and that surprised me um, because I thought when I first saw her look for Suicide Squad. I wasn't completely sold at first because it just didn't seem very Harley Quinn. But since that movie came out, that Daddy's Little Monster t-shirt look has has absolutely become synonymous with the character. And the Birds of Prey version with the gold um, like overalls and and like the pink tank top. I mean, it, it's and the pigtails. It, it's uh, it's perfect. And the roller skates. And if there's any company that can get it right, it's McFarland Toys. And the, once again, the detailing on the on this is just incredible. Uh, I, I love her hammer, the look on her face. This is just, yeah. Um, this is is a must for McFarland collectors. That's that's my take on this. What about you? Absolutely, Harley's looks have turned the world around i mean you and i are convention fans and since her debut in david Ayer's suicide squad she must be the most cosplayed character on earth right now bar none yeah because i mean it's just genius because the looks are so iconic and harley but yet really easy to reproduce by the fans and mm-hmm. that's the genius. I mean, you get as Faliki fashions as you like, my friend. You know what you're talking about. You've got the comic side for the nerd guy. No doubt about it. You know your stuff. And yet, when you've got costumes that are visually stunning, that are iconic and time with the character, that any fan can easily and cheaply reproduce, you are on to a winner. And yeah. McFarlane Toys have got that. Yeah, and, and, and that was a genius move when they were putting together suicide squad to oh yeah because they said oh yeah we're, this this is going to be yeah you know you can buy this t-shirt and hot topic and boom you're there i mean it's yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right it's brilliant and like you said about mcfall and toys we say it every week um 
God, why didn't they have this kind of level of action figure when we were kids? Why? Oh, why? But Hmm. hey, people have them now. If you're a fan, pick them up. They are great. And we're not going to stray far from McFarlane Toys because they're back with a character I can take or leave and a character who's been instrumental in the way the DC universe has unfolded over the last couple of decades, Superboy Prime and Lobo, the main man, are also joining the McFarlane range. Oh boy, what do you make of those guys? I love that they're bringing Superboy Prime. Um, I, I I'm a bigger fan of uh, Infinite Crisis than most people, um, and I, I thought he was such a great villain in that. And I just I, I love to see him getting the respect and getting the uh, the McFarlane treatment and Lobo, you know, you know, I, I, we both talked about that. It's not a character that we necessarily get or have that much of a connection to, but again, these McFarlane toys are so detailed and so perfect. And there are so many Lobo fans out there that they're just going to eat this up too. McFarlane toys is just absolutely knocking it out of the park with these figures. And one thing, and with the Harley Quinn figure too, and these is that as detailed as they are, they do seem like they can still be played with and live to tell the tale. You know, it's not just for display. These, you know, they, there might be kids out there that actually do get these to play with it. And um, I think that that's, that's really cool, too, because one of the reasons I think that I became such a fan is that you had the action figures to make up your own stories. So it's nice that kids have that even to a higher degree than we did when we were growing up. So, yeah, McFarlane Toys, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, what about you? Yeah, exactly what you said. Um, I'm with you, Brad. I mean, I think you and I share a, a common brain sometimes because I honestly do believe that Infinite Crisis is the most underappreciated of all the Crisis stories. I'm a huge fan of Infinite Crisis. Uh, and part of the reason is Superboy Prime, because we met him in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. He was meant to be the Superboy of our Earth. And seeing him go from wide-eyed, naive, young, innocent hero to what he became was a story brilliantly told yeah. so yeah he well deserves this lineup with mcfarlane and mcfarlane pff, yeah they're hot they're on fire they're supernova and long may it continue i, I still on. love uh, I, I can still see those panels when he's in the prison at the end oh, he said, yeah. i've been i've been in worse prisons than this and i've gotten out i, I, I was just, uh, just yeah i'm i'm big on infinite crisis i love it it's one i reread frequently and yeah, yeah great stuff and uh, oh man this next story oh i was a kid again i got <laughs> transported back to the 70s and early 80s with these um the first ever appearance of a mego style tops black adam and a re-release of shazam i mean we're talking about the oversized heads we're talking about the removable cloth costumes mega figures of black adam and the original captain marvel now these are two figures that i may be tempted to buy just because i see them through nostalgia tinted glasses what about you brad you know i kind of like them in that same way too but it's interesting because now i know that i i think you you are a few years older than i am so i was just yes. young enough 
to miss out on the mega figures. Uh, so it was always something that I kind of look back fondly as the the generation of toys before we got the. Do you remember the superpowers, Kenner? I certainly One. do. I yeah. still have a couple. Yeah, I I love those, and you know, but um, so my my nostalgia would be for the the Kenner superpowers, but I always had such an appreciation for these these mega figures. And you are right, like the oversized heads, it's just, it's so well done. And the fact that we're getting a Black Adam, I mean, that's just, that's perfect. This is, this is something that I think, um, you know, older fans who grew up with the Mego toys are going to absolutely, uh, absolutely love. So I, I, I hope they make more of these. Uh, what about you? I want them to bring them all back. I want my Mega yeah. Batman. I want my Mega Robbie, my Mega Superman, my Mega <laughs> Captain America and Spidey. Um, <laughs> You've probably seen on the chat thread, the DC Comics News chat thread, Derek McNeil, Matt B. Lloyd and I go nuts about these things. And I would love to talk to them both about these two figures. I mean, I know for a fact Matt B. Lloyd will see this Captain Marvel one. Sorry, Shazam, Captain Marvel uh, and Black Adam figures and say, oh, well, yeah, I might even buy those two because they are literally our childhoods. They are so iconic and classic. Mm. Plus the fact that um, the costumes could come off. I mean, not for any weird pervy reasons or anything, but the fact that you could think, well, can we get Superman a Clark Kent outfit and some glasses and a hat? So then you could have the character be both. That's the thing that always fascinated me about the characters where, where you could take the costumes off. And the fact that um, we could wash them and at uh, one time, I did try that, and then the costume shrunk, so I just had a naked superhero running around. But <laughs> that's so childhood. <laughs> so um, I love these, and honestly, Brad, oof, I am tempted to buy them. They, 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 they're my childhood back. So yeah, let, let's talk to Derek and Matt about those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And. For our final merchandise news and our final story of the evening, let's talk about the cancellation of some of the DC deck building games. But obviously, um, also news that some of them are still continuing. What do you make of this story, my friend? Now, I now I do play video games, so I'm a video gamer, but I do I, I know next to nothing about deck building card games. But my first reaction to this story is it's it's a bummer that they're canceling the Suicide Squad expansion because I'm wondering if it's tied into the fact that it underperformed in movie theaters, which I think if that's the case, then that's an impulsive decision that they should maybe reconsider. Because I think that regardless of how it does in the box office, I think that the, the, the film is going to maintain a, a, a good reputation fans seem to really like it and fans still like the characters. So they still would want to maybe play the suicide squad expansion. So to me, that part's a bummer, but I like the idea that they're getting a dark Knights metal set because it just proves how popular and uh, unstoppable the whole uh, dark Knights metal and death metal uh, stories and kind of universe is. So, uh, uh, so I guess it, it's kind of a you know it's it's a mixed bag. Uh, what about you? 
exactly that. They're taking away with one hand the Suicide Squad, but they're giving them a metal. But I, I am a huge fan of desktop games, of tabletop gaming, of uh, RPGs oh, and deck building. So for me, this is great news. The thing with deck building is... Um, it's great because you can almost build your own story in your own universe with it. it. It's something where you build a deck more powerful than the person you're playing. And that's great fun. It's a lot more imagination involved. So something like Dark Knight's Death Metal, which is a huge um, <laughs> feat of imagination on the part of, of Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo and all the amazing people who worked on it uh, I think it will work great as a deck building game so while I'm sad to see the uh, Task Force X Suicide Squad deck disappear again doesn't mean it might not happen again at a later date but the fact they're bringing Dark Knight's Metal instead hey that's good news I'm happy with that and people who play these games have got a lot of fun hours ahead to look forward to so that's it. That's all the news rounded up for the week. But as always, when we've got a show with only two of us, let's talk a little bit about what else is happening in our lives that revolves around DC that may not be in the news we've covered. So, Brad, uh, again, what have you you've been reading, watching, viewing related to the DC universe in the last few weeks, my friend? Well, uh, of course, watched The Suicide Squad and absolutely loved it. Uh, once again, King Shark is one of the best characters in the dc staple <laughs> nom nom uh, <laughs> oh man um yeah and i've been uh, i had fallen behind on uh the my batman comics reading as far as the current stuff that's coming out now and i've been on a kick of trying to get caught up with all the bat related titles before uh fear state hits so uh, I just caught up on the Batman series now, heading to uh, the last uh, few issues of uh, Detective Comics, and uh, I just finished the uh, Clown Hunter Secret Files issue, which I uh, which I enjoyed. So that's that's uh, that's what my DC reading has been. What about you? Oh, and and Sweet Tooth: The Return as well. Um, it's so so great to see that series come back. Very good. Uh, do you not find, having just read it then, uh, that Tynan's work does work a lot better as a graphic novel in one sitting than reading it episodically? Yeah. And I, and I think that that's subconsciously why I've held out. I do, I, as I like bigger chunks of the story at once instead yeah. of, that's the one thing about getting comics monthly is that there are no more slow-moving stories out there than the monthly comic book because mm -hmm. you get a small slice of the story and you have to wait a month between yeah. issues. So, yeah. I uh, And with Tynan, yeah. I can't wait to reread uh, Nice House on the Lake oh. you know, as it goes on its hiatus yes. to pick up those six issues again. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to, look forward to that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I mean, obviously, doing what we do, we have to read them as they come out to review them. Mm -hmm. But I found that sometimes that can get frustrating because, like you said, you're left with a story right in the middle of something, often with a painful cliffhanger, and you've got to wait four weeks for the next one. Whereas when you pick up the trades or the graphic novel collected editions and you can read the story in one sitting, both James Tynan and Tom King's runs on Batman 
work so much better when you pick them up in book form and you can read them all in one sitting because little things that they might say in one issue and then not come back to for months later you forget about when you're reading them a whole month apart but when you read them in book form they just hit and work so much better so yeah i mean have you read uh fist state alpha yet because we've had the uh oh no you might not have had it yet no no i no not yet yeah not yet because obviously we, we they, they've they've appeared DC have sent them but Josh so because he's got so many writers to deal with only tends to give them give them to you a week at a time whereas at Dark Knight News as soon as I get them I share them with a the team so I read Fist State Alpha. Yeah. I, I did I did read the free comic book uh, yeah. issue that was kind of you know that was an intro Precursor, into yes. that which was a nice segue from. Uh, Batman 111. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. It's good stuff. And uh, readers, if you're Scarecrow fans, um, oh, with between his, his his excellent appearances in the new season of, T- of Titans and the upcoming Fear State, or if you're a Scarecrow fan, you are in for a treat right now. And that leads me to something else I've been doing, of course. Uh, watching the new series of titans which i liked season one i loved season two but season three so far a few episodes in yes yeah yeah i've been watching that and uh and star girl as well the second season star which they're almost they're almost flip sides of the same coins yeah in in a weird way titans is dark and gritty and uh star girl is just so lovable and wholesome it's a great uh juxtaposition when it comes to the dc so yeah i've been i've been uh watching that as well absolutely they're both back with a vengeance and they are on fire two great shows and yeah if viewers if you haven't been following them pick them up have a look you're in for a treat so that's it let's wrap up and that's been another episode of the dc comics news podcast i hope you've enjoyed listening to us and uh, you've liked the stories we've talked about this evening so let's wrap up this show but first of all before we go away and leave you from our 131st episode brad tell all our listeners where they can find you read your work and hear more from you well, uh, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News, and you can find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, also part of the DC Comics News podcast network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And where can people follow you? Well, you can find me most easily to read my work by typing in Fantastic Universes or Steve J. Rain to your search engine of choice to read my news reviews and interviews across DC Comics News. Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes, and CBR. To talk to me, catch me on Twitter at LSTEVO, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. You can catch DC Comics News and Dark Knight News on Twitter as well at DKNewscom at DC Comics News and across all of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube with Kelly's show, DC After Dark. And of course, the other show on the podcast network, along with this show and Harley Quinn cast, is Seth Singleton's Spinner Rack. You can catch those on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you catch your podcasts. So please listen in, like us, follow us, rate us, review us, and tell us what you think. But until you do, there's something you have to do. Whatever you do, always read 
more comics. Take care. See you soon.